We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You guys tune in to listen to my opinion, which I give frequently over and over again, many of the same opinions. Maybe you like them. That's why you tune in. Maybe you don't. But today on the OBR Film Breakdown, I want to give a runway for somebody else to give some opinions on topics you have heard me talk about over and over again as we lead up to the 29th. So Pete Smith's going to be joining us. I think Pete does a great job. Brown's Digest. Always enjoy getting his analysis. We're going to cover many of the important buzzworthy topics that are going on around Brown's camp and roster decisions and schematic stuff heading into a vital year. I think this ended up being a great interview Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let's get going with the latest OBR Film Breakdown. All right, Pete Smith, Browns Digest. I don't need to tell you where to find him. You already know. He's on Twitter. Most of you listen to this podcast are very familiar. Pete's a friend of the podcast. Always happy to have him on. Pete, what's happening? Uh, living the dream. Love to hear that. Streetsboro, week one, how'd we do? Uh, <laughs> Streetsboro beat CVCA 36-22. Okay. All right. Caught you off guard on that one, but that's uh, that's good. Keep you, on your, keep you on your toes. All right. So talk to me about... There's three topics I kind of uh, prefaced this whole thing with before we jumped on the air. And I think these are really the only three things that matter at this point. And I might sprinkle in one I just thought of. So another one to keep you on your toes. There seems to be position battles, sort of. There's discussion back and forth about how many guys they're going to keep at certain spots. And there's some of that stuff. But as far as players go, it feels like there are four sort of key spots that are fighting for positions. So I'll ask you about these four spots. And people know my opinion, so I don't really need to give these. I'm bringing you on to diversify thought process around some of this stuff. So I'm, I'm very curious. Austin Watkins, give it to me. Um, is, are people taking it too far? Is he, is he a training camp darling? Or do you actually see something that translates to NFL Sundays? I think people are taking it too far, but I think he's got an NFL body. I think he's got an NFL skill set. I think the problem he runs into with the Browns is he seemingly only plays X. And the Browns have two of those. So, like, you're literally watching preseason and Amari Cooper's not playing, and you have to wait for Cedric Tillman to come out of the game for Austin Watkins to go in. That's 
difficult to do if you're keeping six wide receivers. And I think the idea of keeping seven is asinine. So I like him. Uh, I think it it's not nearly the lock some people think it is as far as him making the roster, but I'm confident he will be on an NFL roster week one uh, on an active roster. Would you be interested in trading him? Some some sort of other asset could come forth, maybe even a pick. Is that a guy you'd look to, to move for an asset? Oh, absolutely. I, I would love nothing more than to take trade him for a, another running back three that somebody else is getting rid of, a team with a bunch of them, and the Browns can sort of get their guy ahead of it and not wait for waivers. Perfect. I agree. All right, Diabate. So linebackers tricky. They've done six before. They probably do five on opening day. Uh, there's, you know, uh, some breadcrumb stuff around some guys that I'm not so certain are locks. I've, I've been pretty vocal on this about Jordan Kunasic, um, who's who's sort of had the breadcrumbs that he's going to be a guy that's on the roster. But but I'm interested to know your take on Diabate. And then, you know, I also think your guy that you, you've come on this pod and talked about Charlie Thomas, my favorite snaps in the preseason, Peter, when Diabate and Charlie Thomas get to play together because those two play fast. And I enjoy it. So I know that you and I would prefer to keep Charlie in some form or fashion on the practice squad would be great. Um, but talk to me about Diabate and where you sort of see that shaking out. Yeah. Um, I mean, much to the dismay of certain people, uh, the Browns are not going to go towards 280 pound linebackers. They like small guys who run around and, and hit people. I like Diabate. I think, I think, I think they're going to keep five unless some sort of roster gymnastics shenanigans, has them keep six very temporarily. I think he's in a battle for that last spot with Tony Fields. They mm-hmm. play very similar styles, sim- similar body types. Uh, Diabate is obviously younger. He'd be, you know, early in his contract as a rookie. So I could see where they, they like him. Tony Fields, on the other hand, has played real football and won a football game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's tough. I like what Diabate has done. My only concern that stands out with him, inconsistent tackler. Uh, I have major questions with that. Um, but you know, in terms of what they need him to do, he can come in, he can do certain things and he can play special teams. Those are the things you have to do if you're going to make the roster. Okay. Safety. It seems like Ronnie Hickman has sort of been the darling. I think we are all pretty ingrained in the top three guys. That's uh, unquestionable, but if they're going to keep a fourth guy sort of been presumed it's DeAnthony bell or somebody rising up to meet the challenge didn't draft anybody. They pseudo drafted Hickman who they preferred to get. I think Tanner McAllister's come on a little too late for for me, in my opinion. He's had some moments, though. Um, So I guess the question probably boils down to DeAnthony Bell or Ronnie Hickman. Have you sort of seen that or sorted it out mentally? Which way you'd prefer to go on that one? Yeah, I think uh, Ronnie Hickman's going to be the dude. Uh, My issue with DeAnthony Bell, I think he's great on special teams. Uh, As an actual safety, I think he's limited to one spot, and my – consistent feeling with him is he's almost on a lot of plays, whereas Hickman is making those, some of those plays. Uh, and Hickman's obviously much younger than D'Anthony bell. I think the Browns very quiet are, are quietly hoping that nobody knows is that Tanner McAllister does a lot of things that they want and mm-hmm. allow him to get the practice squad. Like PFF is like sneaky high on Tanner McAllister. It's interesting. Yeah. It's Sunday when I was there, they were really liking him. You know, you can just tell when coaches like him, they get a little nickname going for him. Like, they're into him. So I, like you said, I, the, I'm hoping this, and I said this the other day on this, this podcast, but this gigantic wave of player availability helps the Browns and it'll help others too, sort of hide some of these guys change. Something. It's just going to be such a unique situation. Another unique situation 
is going to be defensive tackle. Again, we we are locked into three guys ver- by virtue of, I don't think Siaka has earned anything, but he's a draft pick this year. They're going to keep him. Then it becomes they're the keeping four or five. In this hypothetical world, Pete, let's say they keep five. Who has caught your attention the most to keep those uh, other two spots? Well, as it currently happens, I'm projecting six, not because wow. I like the okay. six, but because I think the Browns are going to keep 10 guys and they can do some things with guys. Uh, they can do some things like they can cut Maurice Hurst. He's not going on waivers. Uh, like there's some weird stuff they can do. They can vest uh, him I, out, right? And get him a little handshake agreement and bring him back. Yeah. I, I look, I think both him and Tristan Hill were sort of signed with an odd amount of guaranteed money. Yeah. I think uh, Hill in particular, where it sort of feels like we're going to cut you. You're going to get this money. Uh, we got you in camp. You've been here. Maybe give us a little extra consideration to get on the practice squad or whatever and just sort of hang out. Like, I think that was sort of some of the thought process between. Hill and Hurst in particular. Yeah, Hill um, Hills at four, crude season, Hurst at five. So you're right. Those are definitely worth monitoring. Just because they might not make the 53 doesn't mean that they won't find a way back in some form or fashion throughout the year. So good point. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like they, you know, it's like an off-season waiver claim in some ways because you get them here, you get to work with them the entire season, and then, like, those guys may get out in the wild, and they may just be like, no, I'm pretty comfortable here. I'm willing to, to jump back on. So, um yeah, look, I think Jordan Elliott's going to be he, he well one confirmed my theory that long running theory he was never a starter when and he restructured his deal to sort of <laughs> yeah. guarantee that he wasn't going to get cut. I think he's the primary backup between between uh, Savior Shelby Harris, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Siaki Ika, uh, and then I think you're at Tristan Hill and uh, particularly Maurice Hurst if. They keep less than that. I think it Hurst is the first to go and then potentially back on the practice squad. But that's why you get weird because I think the Browns want to have six or want to have 10 defensive linemen. And if it, it all depends on what the real timeline is on those two ends, Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas. But not that I thought Thomas was going to make the active roster, but he's just sort of a guy. Yeah. But that allows them to move guys around a little bit or just keep guys on the edges as much as possible i you know i again i think it's sort of a roster gymnastics situation so ultimately i think either tristan hill or maurice hurst and seemingly my my thought is maurice hurst is going to end up as that practice squad uh opportunity guy like i we haven't really talked through much of the angle with those guys being able to stick around you know you do you do get to the danger they could go like you said they could go sign somewhere else but you you look at the situation in Cleveland, giving you some guaranteed dollars. They think you're there's probably a chance they're having conversations, some backroom agreements about whether they can get up there and play active football this year. There's a good chance those guys could find the field. So uh, interesting stuff there. We are um, let, let, actually before we take a break, I want to ask you this one: the the two now three quarterback rule. We all know the Browns carried Kellen Mond for unnecessary reasons last year in terms of not I don't want to say unnecessary, but they didn't make him active, so he was there. Um, do you believe that they lean into this rule this year and keep three again? Do you prefer to save that roster spot? Do the same sort of a crude season thing with Dobbs where Dobbs is getting his 2 million. He, if he's comfortable with coming back to the practice squad, then you save that spot. It's an interesting sort of little situation, but I I'm curious what you think about trusting a, a guy like DTR to, to, to pop up in a game where, where Dobbs has at least been in some of those situations. As somebody who said, 
jo- that uh, DTR should be a consideration as a day two pick. I think people have lost their minds on how good DTR is. I love him. Like I, I, I'm enjoying everything he's doing. What I'm not doing is declaring that he's a starter for five teams in the league yeah, yeah. or even saying he should be a backup. Like your real evaluation, like everything he's done is great. He's done it against backups. Your real evaluation of where DTR truly is, is going to be a, as a scout team quarterback against the ones like you, you're not going to find that out a, 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 until like a couple weeks. And I know they've started doing that. Now they are starting to do some scout team stuff. So you're going to get a little bit more of an honest evaluation of DTR. Mm-hmm. I don't think Josh Dobbs is leaving unless they trade him because they don't think they want to pay $1.5 million just to do it. Um, and I also think, Beyond the fact that Josh Dobbs has played real football, played in games that counted, and on a team devoid of offensive threats was not bad for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Um, the other part of that, of being a backup, is that he knows a whole lot of stuff. And I think part of the reason he's here is because Deshaun Watson wants him to be here. He has a vast amount of experience. He's extremely intelligent. He's an extra set of eyes and ears on the field and in meeting rooms. And I think the Browns are going to lean into the fact he's not only good for those type of things, he's also really good for DTR. Like yeah. those guys are all going to, you know, help him. I think DTR, part of the reason he's successful is one, he's got a ton of experience. He's really talented. He's got good coaching, but I think that quarterback room is really, really good for him. And I don't think the Browns are going to mess around with it. Now, the one caveat I have again, the possibility that he gets traded. If, we get into the season and maybe around the trade deadline, somebody has an injury or something. I could see maybe flipping him for something, but I mm-hmm. just don't see them cutting him. I, it's, yeah. I don't think it's realistic. And that's the other part. I think the Browns lack, have less roster flexibility than some people want to imagine, because I do think they're going to keep those three. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, I will say for those of you who don't live on Twitter, listen to the pod driving in wherever you find it. Fun stat that was put out by PFF, Sam Monson. Uh, tonight that is uh, talking about Trey Lance, who, if you have not paid attention once again, has sort of been notified that the 49ers are going to seek a way to move on from him. But Trey Lance, who feels like he's been around for a little while now, even though he's been hurt, this is uh, is an interesting point. So DTR, we're in the, him and uh, Trey Lance and DTR are in the same recruiting class, which feels kind of crazy to think about. Since that point, Dorian Thompson Robinson has attempted 1,414 passes, including this preseason. Lance has attempted just 492 total college. And so obviously this is college NFL regular season and preseason. So that's insane to think of three times the amount of, and I know it's college versus NFL for whatever, whatever, but just experience of seeing things unfold and the various looks you can get in different outcomes. And I know you have been vocal on this. I've tried to be vocal on this, Pete, how valuable experiences attempts at the college level, just to, just to really hone in your mental capacity for the position and, it's wild. There's some other stuff out there that's pretty crazy too. About, I think this year, who was it? The Hendon Hooker came in pretty old, 25 or something like that. And Lamar Jackson is like a year older than him, maybe even the mm-hmm. same age. I can't quite remember, but that Lance DTR stat stuck out to me. I know you saw it too. So, pretty fascinating stuff. Um, okay, we'll take a break and then we'll come back. And I've got some some schematic stuff I want to ask Pete before we split. So we'll be right back. You ever been up against buying tickets last minute? Can't figure out how to get it done. The OBR group recently tried to go to the Browns preseason. We were up against the clock 
trying to figure out if we could get tickets hooked up, if we needed to buy them. We had to end up buying them, went to the Game Time app, and let me tell you, this is the best place to find tickets. It should never be stressful. They pride themselves on making it as seamless as possible. Killer deals on last-minute tickets. The best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you're starting to poke around about getting tickets for Browns-Bengals Week 1, this is the place you need to go Game time has everything you need. You don't have to plan months in advance, but if you do, they have deals on tickets now all the way up until the day. You get images from the seats you'll be sitting in to know what you're looking at, what the view will be, get that low price guarantee. And then talking again, those exclusive flash deals on tickets are what makes the app so great. And the game time guarantee means you'll get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. They'll credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You get those images from your seats. You get tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. They're sent directly to your phone. You never have to dig through your email. So here's what you need to do. Download the GameTime app. Create an account. Use the promo code, quite simply, OBR, for 20% off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code OBR for $20 off. If you want to use the URL, it's gametime.co, okay? But the app is where it's at. It's perfect app. Download the GameTime app today. Promo code OBR, $20 off. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So if you've listened to Pete and I, we, we've had some discussions. Uh, again, it's been a minute since we've chatted, but, you know, the Joe Woods blame pie that happened and 
you know, things that I thought got put in Joe Wood's lap that he didn't deserve. Some things were worth talking about that he did deserve. It's neither here nor there anymore. His job has been vacated and replaced. I'm curious through three, I guess it is three preseason games. Are you noticing anything substantially different so far between what Woods was doing schematically and what Jim Schwartz has done early on here? I know we won't get a great feel until real ball games, but it's just uh, wanted to ask you if you've noticed anything. Well, I mean, just the defensive line freedom. They, there's no restrictions. You can go wherever you want, um, which creates some opportunities, but obviously creates some some problems that they have to have to address. Whether that's still to be solved or that is a function of not showing their hand, but like secondary contain is a massive problem um, when you don't have any restrictions on there and you got guys uh, screaming inside and nobody protecting the outside. And you've seen it in that commander's game mm-hmm. where Jacoby Brissett had all kinds of space and nobody touching him as he runs into the end zone or Sam Howell able to easily pick up yardage because there's nobody out there. And you watch the tape on some of that. And it looks like JOK is trying to read and adjust where the defensive line is going and sort of position himself. And I watched Justin Kunashik and, or, or Jordan Kunashik and, uh, it just didn't seem like it was working on that side, whether that was something that they, they need to more predetermine where they're going to go. If they're going to send the linebackers outside, sort of void the middle, which mm-hmm. I could sort of see based on how they play coverage, but they can't do that. Particularly. They're not going to do that against Baltimore. They're not going to go, Hey, you guys run wherever you want and we'll see what happens because you're going to create these massive running lanes and Lamar Jackson going to kill you. So they're going to either have to come up with some sort of solution on secondary contained with those linebackers, or they're going to have to, at least in certain games, come up with a more honest, uh, you know, pass rush lane to avoid just getting killed by quarterbacks who can run. Yeah. Another thing that I want to add to that, cause that's great. That's, that's very well articulated in terms of just how they're going to hone. I know that they talk about linebackers and their whole thing is fix it. Like that's their whole motto, fix what the D line does but you do need to formulate a secondary plan or you're going to have even guys like you mentioned. I don't think Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, even though we saw Jacoby get a little sneaky on the scrambles last year, I don't think those guys are going to be labeled as mobile quarterbacks anytime soon. So you don't want to have those guys hurting you in space and picking up those annoying third and nines with their legs. So I have not noticed now, this is again, Jim Schwartz back to his, his roots of like back to Philly. A lot of close coverage I have not seen in this short or uh, Joe Woods was a very heavy early down quarters user. Have not seen any quarters. It's really been all cover three, some man to man, probably two thirds cover three. Like a, I don't even I'm not good with fractions here, Pete, uh, a, a good amount of man to man. And then they've thrown in some cover two, cover six. So we'll see if they do more open coverage and they're not, like you said, a minute ago, tipping their hand on some things. But that is one part of it that is going to be something I'm really monitoring is, is sort of how they're playing those coverages. Because as we know, Philly had a way of doing things. You talk to people who covered Schwartz at his end of his Philly tenure. He goes to Tennessee working with their defensive coordinator, who was more of a back half guy. How does he morph different coverages, disguising things, confusing quarterbacks? It's all going to be things that we're picking apart very early in the season offensively this thing is going to change too you know i've wrote about inside zone and i've just been befuddled over why they haven't had that in to diversify shotgun run game so simple and they're, they've proven to be pretty good at it this preseason 
rushing for over 4.8 yards per carry when using it. And I know it's preseason and you have to see it translate into real football. I think a thing that everyone's talking about, Pete, is how different the offense is going to look. And I'm of the belief that it's really not going to look that much different. They're just going to do different things from alignments they've already used, which is similar back to the defense. Like Joe Woods alignments, he was a wide nine guy at times. So like it's not going to pre-snap look a ton different. We'll see what they do with the coverages. But on offense, I still think they're going to run, even though they're clearly steering away from 13 personnel, more 12, obviously a way higher uptick in 11. They're still going to be under center, still going to do some of their wide zone stuff. You're just going to see more shot, like more pistol diversification from that and diversification from their shotgun run game. Is that sound? Do I sound crazy or is that sort of what you're expecting too? I'm curious what you've seen this preseason and sort of how you view this. Like people in the Cleveland media are, are just, they, they just throw it out, but they never really talk about what they mean by that. That's what, you know, guys like me and you are trying to do. So I'm curious your thoughts on it. I think most of what's going to change is just formations. Like, you know, if you're incorporating spread concepts and you hire Bill Musgrave to do these things, like you, you're going to get essentially what they were doing out of 13, 13 personnel on some of the stuff. It's just going to be uh, well, slightly smaller. Cause they're all, so many of them are so big at 200 pounds. They're going to be wide receivers doing it instead of tight ends. Like mm-hmm. you're going to see. And, and Kevin, Steph- I, the one thing I do not expect Kevin Stefanski to change, he loves condensed formations. Yep. He loves creating those angles for his receivers. And you're seeing him specifically use some uh, shifts and motions to line up receivers for blocks and some of those type things. So, Yes, inside zone, certainly a big point uh, of emphasis for them. They look better at it than they looked last year where it looked very uncomfortable at times. Uh, And then mixing in that pin and pull, which is creating some massive running lanes. Now the question is, do they have the backs that they really like to do it? Because we haven't seen, obviously, Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford do it in a game. But at times, like, Demetric Felton looks great. He looks like he's back in college. And then other times where it's sort of like, "Mm, I don't know. Uh, and, And, like, you know, John Kelly Jr. looks like he's a practice squad guy still. And, you know, nothing worthwhile has come out with the kid from the Colts uh, yet. But that's sort of the question. I think what they're doing for the line is really helpful. You're seeing it from backups. Uh, you're getting to see some mobility utilized a little bit. And that's sort of the thing that's a little bit tricky to to guesstimate. They can do some things a whole lot different when they've got Nick Harris or – Luke Whipler in there than they can with Ethan, Ethan Posick. Ethan Posick's a big old boy who's great for shotgun pass protection. Not so great when you're asking him to uh, pull or get out in space on the screen where Luke Whipler in particular, he's really fun to watch, or Nick Harris are, are just naturally doing those type of things and moving the pocket and some of those elements. So I, I, I like what I'm seeing from conceptually what they're doing, uh, even though, you know, we can nitpick and complain about some of the stuff they do, you know, did on the goal line where they're running that uh, counter where they allow the backside guy to, to to stop it for a fourth down stop. But overall, I think they've diversified what they want to do enough that if you get a reasonably successful back, it, I mean, it gives me sort of Denver Broncos vibes when Mike Shanahan was there with what I've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, now that, it, you know, that's preseason, but it does feel a little bit like, you put it just about anybody back there, they're going to find some yardage. But if you get somebody who's pretty good or great, in the case of Chubb, they can do a whole lot of damage with the benefit of having those big, big bodies blocking downfield and then all the play action and everything else they do off of it. 
Let's close with special teams. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and talk about Cade York. We can. We can answer that. Um, I'll start. We'll get to Cade in a second. I'll start with the return game stuff. The simple question for me is: Do you need Jakeem Grant? I am of the belief. I'll give you my opinion, and you can, you know, rebuff it or tell me I'm I'm genius. You know, whatever you want to do here. They have two very functional returners now. Donovan really caught on at the end of the year. You could see him figuring it out. He became very effective, obviously returning one for a touchdown, almost breaking another, started to be good at it. We know Jerome Ford had flashes, serious flashes too. Now, as a kick returner, I understand you want to keep those guys uh, into sort of staying fresh, but like last year's wide receiver depth, far more of a concern to me than this year. Jerome Ford obviously sees an uptick, but it's, I mean, how many returns and kickoff are you actually seeing? Maybe one, two, three a game. The new rule kind of alleviates maybe one of those a game now. So to me, this idea you need to carry Jakeem Grant, I thought last year it was very plausible because there was no definitive punt return kick returner. It was really up in the air. You saw Schwartz trying to do it the year before and Felton looking really rough in games trying to do it. This year, that seems like a wasted roster spot to me. So I'm not of the belief that you need to carry Jakeem Grant just for the special team's nature. And he's really not an effective receiver anymore. So I'm out on that. Are you with me or do you believe they need a designated person to alleviate that? Uh, I, I, let's say he's 10% better than D- DPJ or 10% better than Jerome Ford. Is that better than a 10th offensive lineman? Hell no. Yeah. The other part is when you signed, when you signed Jakeem Grant, I think they had the idea of doing some of the things we're seeing from Elijah Moore with him on offense. Now it may not be to the degree that we're seeing with Elijah Moore where he's it's constant, but I have no doubt that based on what I've seen from Kevin Stefanski with his time with the Vikings, having guys like Percy Harvin and Cordero Patterson, that he had the idea of trying to do some of the things they're doing with Elijah Moore with Jakeem Grant. So now, you know, you talk about him as a receiver. So he's really a backup for what Elijah Moore is doing, which means he has even less value than he, than he would have last year, unfortunately. And the bottom line is like, he's going to obviously return kicks in this preseason game, but like he hasn't had a chance to do enough. Like, what are you going off at that point? You're basically going off of last year's tape. You've had all this time to work with guys. I I don't see the benefit. And again, we, we talk about quarterbacks. You're carrying three quarterbacks you don't have the luxury of just carrying carrying guys for funsies. Like, again, who are you getting rid of for this? Are you getting rid of an offensive lineman in a league where everybody's devoid of that? Or, God forbid, are you going to get pinched even uh, thinner on defense? Like, I, I, I don't see how you can justify it. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't either. I've kind of set myself on that one. I'm, uh, I think it's very still up in the air, but, but I don't see a need for it uh, and, and pretty much laid out. Both sides of why there. The last question is Cade York. I mean, I I have just been saying, Pete, that these guys are going to take the risk. If they want to take the risk and, and, it, and it costs them games, then so be it. Um, you know, that's their choice. They're going to lay in the bed that they create here. Uh, I mean, are you of the belief that this kid's going to figure it out? Do you, do, you, do you give them a little bit of a downgrade from not creating a competition at this point? Or is it just shrug your shoulders and say, who the hell cares? Cause I, I don't know what to think with this stuff, man. I mean, like they clearly are going to make a choice. They're going to have to live with those. If it costs them a game or two, then that could cost somebody a job. It's like, I just don't, you know, I don't have, a, I don't even have a real opinion on it. I, I just don't know that we, there's some immediate answer 
out there either. That's the tough part. So maybe there is when cutdowns happen, but I guess I'm asking what's your belief Cade York is kicking here to start the year and then what's your belief he finishes the year? Uh, so my my initial thought is I don't care, but um, <laughs> that's, that's the right answer. Here's the thing. Uh, like the idea of bringing in competition was never an idea that made any sense to me. The Browns have clearly said, it, it made it clear, they don't feel like wasting lost roster spots on competitions that don't mean anything. Like if you're, if he's not the guy, we're going to find out at the 29th. They're going to just wave him and they're going to move on and bring in like five guys, have tryouts and, and made the best man win at that point. Ultimately, I think they're going to stick with Cade York, but here's the thing. I, I, and I totally understand why it's frustrating. You want, you know, the kid to just kick the ball and it goes through the, the uprights one that has never been the case in Cleveland. You know, we could talk about Phil Dawson. It took him five years to figure it out. All these people will just bring back somebody else. Like it's fine, but like, Justin Tucker makes it really hard to sort of like delve into this thing because yeah. the, the other part of this, you look at Chris Boswell, who's making a lot of money for the Steelers and has been, there have been years where he flat out stunk. Um, it's sort of a problem playing in the AFC North. It's really difficult. Um, the other part about this, uh, I, I take a larger picture. What on special teams to you looks good right now? Cause I'm at nothing. It no, all looks bad and I'm not, and I'm not here to suggest, well, Bubba Drone sucks. But my point is, like, I've seen nothing from special teams that makes me go, oh, that's really good. In fact, up until Cade York missed the uh, field goals against the Eagles, he was the bright spot in that game because other things were going bad. Demetri Feld ran backwards on punt return. Like, there's a bunch of things that are going wrong. And, like, Bubba Ventrone's preaching about how penalties are, like, a lack of effort or, 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 or a result of laziness. And what am I seeing? Penalties on special teams. Like, I, I think that whole unit has a lot of work to do. And it's very easy. And I understand it. I'm not going to sit here and say people aren't wrong to be sort of concerned about Cade York. But at the same point, like, there are so many things I'm more worried about on this team than the kicker. One, I want to score touchdowns. And two, my biggest concern on this team will be Deshaun Watson until he's out there consistently doing it. Because all of this is moot if Deshaun Watson comes out and plays okay for a couple games or whatever. Like mm -hmm. the Browns cannot exist in a world where we're relying on the kicker to win games. And the bottom line is, you know, I think the Detroit lions last year were an outlier, but if you, historically, if you average 25 points a game and you know, and we played 16 games, like a, you know, a, a sound functioning universe, 400 points, you were in the playoffs. The Browns scored in 2020 over 400 points. The first time since the freaking sixties mm. in the playoffs. So if you're just looking at it from that standpoint and you're saying, I got to average 25 points a game, you got to score touchdowns to do that. Is there going to be a point where you need a guy to make the kick? Yes. That Eagles game was that situation because it's, you know, the only time I want my kickers to matter are at the end of a half and the end of a game, end of a game situation, he blew it. They got to figure it out, but I still think he's going to be the kicker to start the season. Who knows after that? But I, but I think ultimately I don't care. I'm more focused on so many other things that, I'm not sitting there too worried about it. I want to go for it more on fourth down with all these weapons you have on offense. And I want to go for two more with all these weapons on offense. I, <laughs> I, I don't want to sit here and be whining about kicking when they're even in that Eagles game, other things caused you to lose that game, namely turnover or tie that game opportunities to win that game. And, and the situation has been turnovers and other things like, yes, I want the kicker to be successful. Bubba Ventrone loves him. Allegedly. 
Kevin Stefanski, big fan. I, I think they're going to try to work through it as much as they can. And they got a couple weeks to do it if they really want to. He's Pete Smith at underscore Pete Smith underscore on Twitter. Find him on Brown's Digest. Anytime we can get Pete on the show, we we genuinely appreciate it and look forward to it. So, Pete, thanks a ton, man, and uh, hope to catch up with you during the season. Sounds like a plan. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Pete for showing up. Thanks for you guys showing up as well. That always is what matters most, that you enjoy the podcast. You come back, check in every day. We'll continue to put out some great stuff, get with Andrew Spade, continue to look at maybe some interesting angles on how the Browns are going to shape uh, the end of the roster and some unexpected things that, that could be coming at the positions that we are not talking about enough. I always think there's something unexpected in terms of a cut or a keep that we did not see coming. So I want to try to see if we can get out in front of that and predict that. Otherwise, thanks to you guys again. Make sure you go to the OBR. We're going to have some fantastic deals coming up on roster cutdown day. So if you want to get in this, again, I always say it, the best Browns community online, the OBR in my opinion, I mean, a little biased, but I think it is one of the more unique ones out there. You get the expert analysis from myself, I think, uh, as far as being out in front of the film angle, uh, like nobody else is in the market, and then Jack Duffin with his salary cap stuff, and then I think we do a really good job with Fred Greetham and the beat writing in-house, so a, a really good deal, great community, you should join us, take advantage, if you have never done so, on a premium annual subscription, some great deals coming up, check that out. Keep uh, reviewing and rating the podcast. You guys know I really appreciate that. Helps it reach more Browns fans, and that's what I'm trying to do is form as big a community of you guys listening to this pod. I get a lot of DMs, a lot of great topic ideas. I get a lot. I'm sorry if I don't respond to you right away. I, I really I will respond to you. I'm always open to feedback, always open to questions that lead to topics. You guys make this fun. It, it, it really is because otherwise it's just me talking into a computer and, uh, you know, that's not very fun. I like to hear from you guys on the stuff that matters. So appreciate you. Uh, check in tomorrow. Should have another great podcast. Until then, enjoy your Thursday, guys. Go Browns.